Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Monday evening, reflecting into the richness of our faith. This Monday, we are going to have the opportunity to engage this topic of freedom, uh, given the fact that we are uh, celebrating um, and memorializing uh, those who have gone before us this Memorial Day, I thought freedom would be a good topic to discuss. And I will be doing so with Mikhail Whitfield, a former Chico resident. He's now working on his PhD over at Ave Maria University in Florida. Mikhail, it is great to have you with me tonight. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for having me. This is a uh... Wonderful to be able to join you. And I'm really looking forward to this, Mikhail, because I know this is a topic that is close to your heart. I, in fact, remember sitting down with you at Tin Roof Bakery about two years ago, and you were talking about this topic. And so certainly uh, there is much to discuss. So with that, let us just get going, Mikhail, because there is so much to talk about. You know, I was, I was in a discussion with someone this morning at, well, go figure, a coffee shop. They had brought up Memorial Day and they had asked the question, you know, what is today about? He saw me working on different things, and I, I had made the point to bring up freedom and really how we remember those who have gone before us best when we live out what they fought for. And so it really led into the discussion of really a deeper uh, Christian sense of freedom, that when it's all said and done, when you talk about freedom, we, we have to always put it in the context of how it passes through death. And so we honor those who have gone before us when we live out our freedom with a deeper sense of purpose and a deeper sense of meaning. Uh, certainly, for many, America is viewed, Mikhail, in relationship to you know, the charters of freedom, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution— the Bill of Rights, and rightfully so, because it is in the wisdom of these documents that American rights have been secure for over two centuries. And really, there is genius in the way our forefathers codified man's inalienable rights, which certainly has at its heart this great principle of freedom. And so with that, Mikhail, let us really engage this idea of freedom as not so much a license to do what we want, but a gift to do what we ought. Absolutely. It is worth reflecting on this topic specifically, I think, because not only in this national holiday that it is a particularly near and dear subject to all Americans, but it's actually a subject that is truly ingrained into the Christian life and the Catholic Church so much and has throughout the history of the church. Um, and I think you touched on it wonderfully that there's a distinction that has to be made here with the concept of freedom, that it's not simply a license to do whatever one desires, but it is specifically something 
that is for a purpose. And it leads us to what the Lord calls us to. And in our freedom, we have the capacity to exercise that. Mm -hmm. The analogy that I like to give, Mikhail, and this is really drawing from a French theologian, Father Pincar, is that of uh, one learning how to play the piano. I have an eight-year-old son who is amazing on the piano for eight years old. You know, he just won uh, piano student of the year with, with his teacher. It was a pretty big deal. You know, so I, I was taking a step back and just kind of marveling at what he's learned. Mm-hmm. And when I go back to when he was four years old, it's pretty amazing because when he was four, what was he doing? He was going over to the piano and he was striking the keys and he thought he was playing the piano. So the question begs to be asked, was he playing the piano? Well, no, not really. It wasn't until he was going to be able to learn how to actually read music, you know, learn how to use his hands, use his fingers, would he then be able to play the piano? And I would dare say, free to play the piano. Now, as an eight-year-old, he can read music, and it's pretty impressive. And he'll just go to the piano, and he'll pull up a song, and he does his thing. And he's authentically free to play the piano. And the idea here is, Mikhail, that our freedom is caught up in law. It is bound by learning the rubrics of the thing that you're doing. And we can also draw the analogy, I know uh, the Venerable Fulton Sheen, he draws the analogy of, of a mechanic. Can, can a mechanic fix a car if he's never really learned the trade of how to fix a car or how to be a mechanic? Well, of course not. You have to spend time with first understanding how all of the intricacies of an engine work together, function together. Then you can fix the engine. Then you can work on the car. And so when it comes to then freedom, what we are made to see is that it is not autonomous from law. Mm -hmm. We are not free to do whatever we want to do. Well, yeah, sure we can, but in the end, that kind of freedom for indifference is going to lead to chaos. We can leave this radio station and go through that red light. What's going to happen? Not anything good. (laughs) Chaos, right? Disorder, dysfunction. And as a father... You know, certainly I can relate to this because I lay down rules. I, I, I lay down laws for, for a reason, because I love to punish my kids. No, of course not, because I love my kids and I know what's best for my kids. And when they follow those rules and those laws and those regulations, our family is at our best, right? And so it's then being obedient to what's in place, stopping at a red light, that we begin to discover the order and harmony that belongs to creation. When we're obedient to reading the template of of this song or that song, then there's harmony in music. So this whole topic of freedom must be put into the context of law and and into truth. And if it's not, it just doesn't work. You hit on it wonderfully with your analogies. We all have the experience of driving down the road and seeing someone who's not following the rules of the road, and it is restricting and causing problems for everybody else. Um, and if if you get a brand new car, and you decide, hmm, I don't really want to have to do what the manufacturer says, 
I'm not going to put gasoline in it. I'm going to put water in it. Mm -hmm. Are you free to do that? Sure. Yeah. There's nothing that's going to stop you. But are you free to drive your car after you do that? Mm -hmm. It's not going to go anywhere. And so everything um, has a purpose and a structure that if it's followed, you know, as you say, the law, if it's followed, it increases man's freedom. Um, If you want to make a batch of chocolate chip cookies, but you want to do it with artichoke and Brussels sprouts, they're not going to be chocolate chip cookies. It doesn't matter what you call them. <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 it's there's a recipe, and that recipe has to be followed if you want the chocolate chip cookies to come out and to be to be truly free to make chocolate chip cookies. You have to follow that law, that recipe, um, and in the same way, in the Christian walk, um, the Lord gives us you know, what is to be right, what is righteousness, and if we want to be free in our Christian life, we have to follow that. We have to follow where the Lord leads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we have lots of dogs in our neighborhood, <laughs> lots of dogs. Some just moved in behind us, and you guys are coming over for dinner after this, and uh, <laughs> you're going to be hearing them. <laughs> and so there's so there's these dogs walking by, and it's something that I've seen on more than one occasion, where a dog gets stuck in the collar, and he wants to free himself, but the more he forces it, the more he gets stuck. Mm-hmm. I just want to scream at the dog, stop, and let the master free you, you know? Mm. And that's what's going on in the Christian walk. We sin... And what we're doing is we're like that dog. <laughs> we're just getting more stuck. We need to allow the master to, to do what he needs to do. And that is, in the end, what it's about, really. I mean, we're talking about freedom in the context of some of these analogies, but it does point to Mikhail, the Christian journey. It points to embracing this freedom that has come to us because of a death, the death of Jesus Christ. We talk mm-hmm. about the men and women who have gone before us uh, giving their lives over for freedom. Well, you said it in the beginning. At the deepest level of all of Christendom is there this truth that freedom passes through death. And once we understand this for what it is, Mikhail, will we truly be free? And this isn't something that is just a a once-in-a-lifetime deal, that Christ did it, and it's something we don't share in. On the contrary. In fact, the Christian vision is one where we are called to share in that yes to God and and no to sin in each and every moment, really, Mm -hmm. to be able to embrace that we are going to be more free to the degree that we die to self in every moment. I mean, you talked about uh, man really expands and that, that could not be said better because ultimately that is what's happening when we die to self each and every day. And you know, Mikhail, in that conversation this morning that I had at the coffee shop, a very unexpected conversation, he says, well, then what is the, the, the Christian death all about? I said, you know, there is something in our lives that we need to die to. What is that one thing in your life that you need to die to? We all have that one thing. That one thing that has our side glance, that one thing that we're probably attracted to just a little too much, that one thing that our sense appetite just is drawn to, we need to die to that one thing 
to make more room for Christ. As the old proverb goes, less is more, because the less we spend time with that one thing, the more time we can spend with Christ. And that is essentially what lies at the heart of this freedom passing through death. If we die to that one thing, then we are going to be more free to love as Christ calls us to love. There is always going to be a gap between the person we are and the person we ought to be. And the way we bridge that gap is to die to that one thing, Mikhail. Yeah, I think one of the things here too to recognize is if we reflect on Memorial Day and the men and women who have given their lives, whether fully given their lives through death or just sacrificed so much for the sake of our freedom, this is a struggle. It is something that is not easy, and it's not easy to choose to do. When you're on the battlefield and facing that death, it takes strength, it takes fortitude, it takes bravery. In the same way, in our Christian life, it is so hard to die to that one thing. It is so hard for us to say, I'm going to stop struggling in my collar. I'm mm-hmm. going to let the master untangle me from the web of sin that I have fallen into. We want to take control. We, we see problems and we figure if we just struggle a little harder, if we make a little bit more effort, we can save ourselves. Well, Christ didn't come so we could save ourselves. Mm-hmm. He came mm-hmm. to save us. Mm-hmm. And so that is one of the challenges in the Christian life is to be willing to say, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to allow God to work. I'm going to take that step that requires fortitude, bravery, strength, and die to self and allow God to open that door and lead me forth in freedom. Mm-hmm. As, we're, as we talk about this dying to self, this death, that means we're going to have to suffer. And that means that there's going to be some degree of, of trial, some degree of pain. But it's like climbing a mountain. You know, Mikhail, I know you like to be outdoors. When you're climbing that mountain, there's going to be some bumps and bruises. But is it worth it? Man, you get to the top of that mountain, the beauty that you will behold, that new air, that freshness that you take in, oh man, it's worth it. And it, it might be difficult on the way up, but it's, it's certainly worth it. And we have to understand that if we are going to imitate Christ, if we're going to embrace this you know, imitatio, then we have to do it in everything, mm-hmm. in everything. You know, you had mentioned the word struggle. St. Augustine says, life is a struggle in grace. What is that? Life is a struggle in grace. That's not exciting. But actually, it really is. Life is a struggle in grace. And when we can come to appreciate the end of that point, grace and what that means and the gift that that is that Christ gives us so that we might uh, really share and participate in his very likeness and his, his very essence, that's a powerful, powerful thing. And this is something we need to embrace. There is a quintessential point as we were talking about this, Mikhail, and that brings us back to the cross. You know, we have all experienced those excruciating times in our lives, right? Or we've had someone come to us and say, you know what, Mikhail, you know what, Joe, I'm going through something right now and it's just excruciating. Well, what is going on in that moment? 
when someone is going through something excruciating, that means that they are sharing profoundly in the mystery of the cross. It is to remember the word excruciating from that excruces, right? From the cross. When we go through something excruciating, it is something that comes to us from the cross, literally a gift from the cross. You know, Mikhail, Christ doesn't suffer to remove suffering from our lives, but to give it redemptive power that we might share in Christ's own suffering and share in the mystery of building up the body of Christ in that suffering. It is all a gift. If it has us leaning more upon him, then yes, it's a gift. It, if it removes us from that one thing, Mikhail, if it has us dying to that one thing, then yeah, it is actually a gift. And it draws us closer to his most sacred heart. And in that moment, we are more free. And of course, this is the great Pauline vision. The deeper we go into the mystery and suffering of Christ, we are more free. That freedom expands. Absolutely. Uh, Paul tells us that you are a slave, and it's your choice who you are a slave to. Are you a slave to sin, or are you a slave to Christ? And a slave to sin is someone who just becomes more and more enslaved, but someone who is willing to put themselves under the mission of Christ, to submit to Christ, even if Paul calls that a slavery. He does so tongue-in-cheek. He realizes that this is not something that brings us down and binds us, but something that sets us free and leads us to righteousness. You know, Mikhail, as we are talking about the importance of entering deeper into the mystery of Christ and what you're talking about there, I, my reflections go to one G.K. Chesterton when he was once asked you know, what is wrong with the world? You know, the doctor of common sense is asked this question on the cusp of World War II, what's wrong with the world? His answer was, I am. The, the doctor of common sense who was asked, you know, to, to respond to all of these problems with the world said, I am. You know, if we are going to, you know, fix the world, then we must first understand our role that in fact it starts with me. It starts with, with me, myself, and I. <laughs> mm -hmm. It starts with that trinity. I think St. Francis of Assisi put it well, you know, to sanctify a society is to first sanctify uh, self. Mm -hmm. And certainly Aristotle says the same thing. He goes back into how the soul is the first principle to any society because the soul is where it all starts with the individual person. And therein lies what is so important about rediscovering how we better evangelize the culture. So as we talk about this, I thought it would be important if we can put this in the context of how in turn we can engage those who we um, come into contact with. It's interesting um, when you mention Aristotle, uh, it reminds me, he talks about what it means to do things voluntarily versus involuntarily. And without getting into any of the deep philosophical uh, discussions that he talks about, one of the things that he touches on, which I've always found fascinating, is he says anything that is done through joy 
anything that is done because it is what you desire is not involuntary. It is a voluntary action. And so I think in many ways to actuate the freedom that we are given, part of that comes in acting in joy. And it's when we do this that that joy becomes contagious and we can help those around us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up, Mikhail, because Pope Emeritus Ben Sixteenth in his Jesus of Nazareth, his last volume, his last work before uh, he became Emeritus, right, <laughs> was, his, was his focus on joy in the New Testament. In fact, he makes the point, and it's striking, that in the Kekartomene, in that angelic salutation from the angel Gabriel to, to Mary, it is this rejoicing, oh, this, this, this joy, and he begins to play with the word a little bit, and he makes note that uh, the word rejoice and, and joy comes from the same word that we get grace, right? Mm-hmm. The dikari. So uh, this first proclamation of the New Testament, that is this, this grace, is at the same time this joy, and so he goes on to say really beautifully uh, how joy is the forerunner to all our, of our evangelization. Hence, hence, right, what does Pope Francis title his exhortation on the new evangelization? Joy of the gospel. It runs itself like an overture throughout the whole document. It's beautiful. And, of course, in that he highlights how, you use the word actuate, I like that, how Joy essentially actuates evangelization. I can't help but think of a, a biblical passage. If you were to go to the um, the encounter between the three wise men and the baby, the infant king, right? <laughs> the Greek rendering of of that encounter is that they rejoiced indeed with great joy exceedingly. The English rendering fumbles it really because this Greek, which is so so often economical is very active. In fact, that phrase in the Greek, a 13-syllable phrase, you don't even see that anywhere else. And yet there it is in this passage. And it is nothing but passive, but everything that is active. Mm-hmm. And it's, what is it doing? It's, it's evangelizing. I mean, Christ is, in, is evangelizing these three wise men. He, and he's an infant king. Yeah, I mean, it's striking. So yeah, joy, joy is certainly something that lies at the heart of what we're talking about to the extent that we cannot, we cannot truly be joyful if we are not truly free. Mm-hmm. You know, we can wrap up with, with this story, and maybe if you have a closing reflection, Mikhail, when I was teaching at Notre Dame, I took the kids, my, uh, my junior high kids, to visit my Carmelite cloistered sister. And each year... Uh, was an experience unto itself. I mean, each year had its own uniqueness, if you will. But it was the first year that really struck me. I remember I took uh, my 26 students and a number of their parents up to the uh, convent and thinking to myself, I don't know if this is going to work because there's 35, 40 of us. And this is, you know, this is a convent and there is a scene room, but to fit 35, 40 people in that one scene room, that was going to be a force. But mm-hmm. they all wanted to go, so I thought, well, what the heck, we can just do it in, uh, in stations and do it in turns, right? So we get there around 115, 
they're not in there yet, and they all wanted to, to, to see, just not her, but all 15 of them were going to come out. So I thought, well, this will be, be nice. You know, all 15 they, of the nuns. Yeah, all 15 of the nuns. And so when they're for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, they, they haven't come out yet. And we're all stuffed in there like these sardines. <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, oh, man, I was sweating. I mean, I have to tell you, I thought, what on God's green earth did I get myself into? And at that moment, one by one, they were coming into this scene room, and there was so much joy. It was like electricity. And the span of just a few minutes, that whole room was just elevated in this grace. And I tell you what, if it wasn't two minutes that I was sweating, like, what did I get myself into? It was two hours, two hours of just this, this exchange of joy, and it was powerful. I had one mother afterwards tell me outside of her wedding day, it was the most incredible experience of her life. Wow. I mean, it, it was overwhelming. And what was it? It was the fact that all of these women were free from all of the burdens of the world, and they were just, oh, they were filled with so much joy. And it was evangelizing every heart in that room, every single heart. That's such a beautiful story. I think, I don't think I can give you anything that uh, explains better than that story in itself. Um, It speaks for itself. The Lord brings both freedom and joy, and they're so intertwined um, that if we're willing to give ourselves over to him, if we're willing to allow him to untangle us from the sin that we've wrapped ourselves into, um, Amen. and to receive the freedom that he brings, um, the freedom that he gives us if we're willing to walk in righteousness, the joy will be well beyond anything that we can imagine. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for those words, Mikhail, and thanks for joining me this evening. I, um, I uh, appreciate the gift of your time, and uh, certainly uh, look look forward to next time I, I can have you on. I know you're going to be in Florida. I can bring you in on the, over the phone. You know? Well, I'll let you know the next time I'm free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you're kind of sort of busy. Well, it was a joy. Speaking of joy, it was a joy to have you, Mikhail. And I do look forward to the next time that... Uh, you can be on. Let us close in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program 
or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.